As we get into our passage today, um, I'm going to preach from Hebrews chapter 11, but I want to give you just a, a little bit uh, beforehand, um, uh, a little brief introduction. So this is two minutes on the book of Hebrews. You ready? <clears throat> I don't recommend this, but trying to do it in two minutes, but uh, we're going to do it uh, just for the sake of time. Um, Hebrews was written about 30 years after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's written by a pastor to a small congregation uh, in Rome uh, in about the 60s AD um, that was beginning to experience great persecution. They were Jewish believers. That's why the book is called Hebrews. And uh, the, the pastor is writing to them in this crucial pastoral moment where this small house church, as they began to experience persecution from the emperor, uh, became um, illegal to be a Christian. Um, and uh, they were experiencing all sorts of persecution. It's uh, pastor says, not yet to the point of shedding blood, but it's coming. Um, the pastor is writing to say, continue to trust in Jesus. Jesus is better. You have grown up in the Jewish system. You have seen the sacrifices. You've, you've, you know about Moses. You know about all of the Old Testament. But it's all pointing to the Messiah, to Jesus who came, and he is better. And at the cost of your property at the cost of your reputation, at the cost of your life even, continue to rest and trust in Jesus. He is better. Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. He spoke in, in many ways and in various times in the past through the prophets, but now he has fully and finally spoken through his son, Jesus. So listen to him. And trust him. He's better than the angels. He's better than uh, Moses. He's better, he's the better prophet than Moses. He's the high priest better than, or in the order of Melchizedek. He is the one who has come to make the sacrifice that you need. See, it was a, a tendency for this young church to want to slink back into their Judaism. To slink back away from claiming Christ as king. And the pastor writes and says, Jesus is better. Why would you leave the superior thing for something that's inferior? Even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging, Jesus is better. And so the pastor spends about the first 10 chapters building this argument for Jesus being better than all of these things. And then in Hebrews 11, we get this hall of faith chapter. Maybe you heard that in uh, vacation Bible school growing up, right? All of these saints through the Old Testament who all continued to look forward. They looked through their circumstances to the hope that God would fulfill his promises in a Messiah. And then he begins in our passage to give some instructions. What would it look like? For these people, once they've recognized that Jesus is better, to hold on to him. How would you do that? What would you need to remember? What would you need to know? And then how would you need to live? And so that's where we're going to pick up. We're really picking up right in the middle of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. So I'm going to read our passage for us. It's, it's 11.32 through 12.3. And this is God's word for us. He gives it to us because he's good. 
and he loves us. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." Let's say this together. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord God, you are kind. In all that you do, we thank you for your word, that it is truth and life to us. We pray that by your spirit, you would come and work in our hearts. Make Jesus more beautiful and believable to us, that our hope and our trust and our confidence in him would grow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we think about this passage, uh, it may be that you, as a young church, are not facing the same types of persecution that uh, the Hebrew church, this Hebrews church was facing, and yet there are lots of competing influences in our lives. There are lots of times where we feel like there's an easier way. There is a more comfortable way. There's a way that's uh, f- less um, challenging, that's less uh, damaging, maybe less costly to us. And I think those temptations can still arise even in our own hearts. And so I think it's helpful for us to look this morning at the believer's position, the believer's posture, and then the believer's perseverance. So the first thing that the pastor says in this moment to these Christians who are tempted to take the easier route, to walk back away from Jesus, is that they're not alone. When you face temptation, when you face trials, when life gets challenging for you, when you're faced with the temptation, the decision, do I follow Jesus and it's costly to me, or I can just get taken down shore, downstream, right, with the rest of culture, society, whatever that might look like for you, when you're faced with that decision, it can often feel very isolating. And the pastor comes to this house church and says, 
you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You are not alone. You are not made to be in a relationship with Jesus by yourself. You were built into the family of God. The church is the new Israel, right? Israel in the Old Testament was God's chosen special people. And he put a special promise and a special blessing on them and said, through you, the rest of the world is going to be blessed. And the church is the New Testament expression of that relationship that God had with Israel in the Old Testament. And so he says to his church, you are my special family, the community, the people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group, and I'm bringing you together to be a family, to walk with one another, to be the bride of Christ. When we're faced with these temptations, when we're faced with suffering and challenges, we need to know, first of all, that God has put us in the company of witnesses. We have others who walk together. We come on Sunday mornings, right, to to bear each other's burdens, to walk together, to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. A good friend of mine, Kevin Twitt, is the RUF campus minister at Belmont University. He helped start the Indelible Grace movement. Maybe you've heard of um, some of these retuned hymns. And he's, uh, he's famous for saying uh, something like this that you, you might often hear in worship. This idea that you want to leave all of your troubles in the parking lot. And you want to come in and sort of clear your mind and fix your eyes on Jesus. And that's good. Fixing your eyes on Jesus is what we're supposed to do. It's the title of the sermon, right? So we're supposed to do that, but we don't do it in this vacuum apart from all of life. No, we actually bring all of our baggage. We bring all of our troubles, all of our sadnesses, all of our joys. We bring everything in with us to worship. And what worship does is that it flips our perspective and allows us to see our whole life, whether things are going great or they're challenging, in this perspective of the gospel, How Jesus has changed everything for us. How he's redeeming us and making all things new. And we do that together as a family. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses that we can rely on. But it's not just each other here. We're surrounded by millions of Christians around the globe who are worshiping on this Lord's Day. We're surrounded by people all through time, right? The the point of Hebrews 11, the gravity of Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, is that we stand on the shoulders of all of those who've gone before us. We see how they lived, and it's an encouragement to us. We are surrounded by them as they looked with expectant hope, with resilient hope towards the promises of God being fulfilled in Jesus. It's an encouragement to us. To do the same. There are a lot of great stories if you go back through Hebrews 11 and read about all the things that are happening in the, um, throughout Old Testament history. That's amazing. There are some great successes, but the thing that keeps coming back is that those saints, they look to the promises of God without seeing the fulfillment of those things. They died in hope not in fulfillment. And that really is the picture of the saints throughout time. Many of them looked for God to work and died waiting expectantly for that to happen. And so as you walk 
through the challenges that you face, maybe the, the cost of uh, reputation for, for trusting in Jesus, maybe it's um, an illness that you walk through. As you look at those things, you can look through them to see the promises of God being fulfilled, that he will one day come back and put everything to rights. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. But not only that, the pastor begins to share with us the posture. What is the posture of the believer? As you recognize that Jesus is better and you're convinced by his argument in the first part of Hebrews, how then do we live? And he gives us a couple of points here on the posture. First, we, we look to Jesus. We do have this resilient hope. We wait like these Old Testament saints, looking expectantly. We trust that God is at work. The biblical storyline is one of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. We know that God created things good and beautiful, and then we messed it up in the fall, and then God is setting about to make everything right. He is redeeming all things, and one day he will return at the consummation, to make everything right, where we will no longer see by, or believe by faith, but by sight. And as we look into that storyline, we know that our lives are, are settled into that storyline. And so as we face persecution, as we face challenges, as life is hard, often following Jesus feels like death as you die to your sinful desires, as you die to um, yourself to serve others, it, it's hard. The posture is one of looking to see. We know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen. And as believers, we can have hope. Even in our mourning, we can mourn with hope that God is going to fulfill his promises. We know on this side of the cross that Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the yes and amen to all of God's promises. He is the one through whom our sacrifice was made. He is the one who has, by his life and death and resurrection, has adopted us as sons and daughters. He is the one who gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we can look with hope As we run this race, that's the second element of this posture. We run the race with endurance. We throw off every weight that hinders. And we run without distraction the race that God has laid out for us. Now, this is, this is challenging in our, in our world. We, um, uh, we were taking some students uh, down to summer conference. RUF summer conference is in Panama City Beach, Florida. We were down there a couple of weeks ago, and I was out on the beach uh, one morning uh, with some of our uh, students, and our kids were out there. And I saw um, this person running on the beach, and they, they were doing okay, uh, but they had their phone. And I don't know if they were changing music or if they were texting, right? Some of our students can like run and text at the same time. It's pretty impressive. But I don't know what they were doing, but they were not doing it uh, effectively or efficiently. You know, the beach is uh, pretty angled, right? The sand is really soft. It's not that hard pack stuff. Uh, it's half half wet, right? Because of the waves coming up. And then it's um, little, it's, you know, trenched out in some places. And they were trying to run and do something on their phone. And they didn't even look sober, as they were trying 
to make this whatever they were doing, right? And I think for some of us, that's, I was thinking, man, that, I feel like that. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, right? I should have this like uh, spiritual disciplines thing down. Or I should be able to follow Jesus through all the hard times really easily because I'm a pastor, right? That's my thing. And yet I feel like that guy running on the beach often, right? Just distracted with the cares of the world or uh, my own technology or whatever it may be. I feel just the craziness of that with four kids, with um, managing responsibilities, it is overwhelming. And it can distract us, right? It can take our eyes off the ball, right? The, the story in the Gospels is uh, Jesus walking on the water and Peter coming out of the boat, right? Walking on water to Jesus and then he sees the waves. And as he sees the waves, you know, he's, he just sinks, That is a temptation in all of our lives. And the pastor says to us, Jesus is better. Focus your eyes. Fix your eyes on the horizon. Keep your eyes up. Keep looking to Jesus and follow him. Don't be distracted by the cares of the world. Don't be weighed down by the sin in your life. Throw off those sins that hinder And pursue, run, wholehearted, with all your strength towards Jesus. Now, how do you do do that? That sounds great. I I would love that. How How do I do that? What does it look like? And that's where the pastor gives us this final picture of the believer's perseverance. How can we walk fixing our eyes on Jesus, running the race before us. We can only do it because Jesus was our pioneer. He went before us. He accomplished everything that we need so that we could persevere after him. We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became one of us. He lived the life that we couldn't in perfect obedience to the Father. And then he steps in and takes our place as our substitute, as our sacrificial lamb. He offers himself as a sacrifice for us. He endures the cross. He has victory over the cross, over the grave, over death itself. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sits down because his work is finished. Jesus has persevered and he holds us with a love that will not let us go. And as we trust in him, He gives us the strength by his spirit to persevere. We know the end of the story. We know that Jesus conquers, that he returns to marry us, to bring us to himself. And we can rejoice and rest and then work. Then we can run. We can fight for holiness. We can serve others. We can love our neighbor as ourselves because of all that Jesus has done for us. Isaiah 40, the end of Isaiah 40, 
says this, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God gives strength to those who are weary. See, the Lord, he is the everlasting God. He does not grow faint or weary. Jesus lives in heaven, interceding for us even now. The the prayers that we pray in desperation, Jesus takes and he forms and fashions them and he prays them to the Father and he perfects them for us and he intercedes for us. His spirit is at work in our hearts to give us the strength to persevere to the end. If you feel the temptation or the distraction of the cares of the world, if you feel the weight of your sin, if you feel the struggle to follow Jesus, you are not alone. And we come week after week, small group after small group, community group after community group, we come to care for one another, to encourage each other to be a blessing, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to one another. We help point out Jesus on the horizon to say, keep looking to him and run with endurance. Use the strength that God provides. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, let me invite you into a struggling community. This is not a place where you have to have everything together. Just get to know us, right? But be invited in to be cared for, to be walked with, to do life together, and to look to Jesus, to the one who does not grow faint or weary, to the one who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross, who accomplished everything that we need as we look to him, We can run with endurance this life that he set before us until he comes back to make everything right. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth and life to us. God, would you meet us in our weakness, in our sadness, in our brokenness, in the challenges of this life? Would you meet us and would you be kind and gracious to us? Help us to walk with you, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles, to run the race with endurance, with the strength that you provide. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.